Hey, my name is Lauren Frieder, and my husband Drew and I are lead pastors at Lift Church. We are on the eastern shore of Maryland. We want to thank you so much for joining us today, and we are believing that you will get a lift of encouragement. Um, today, we're going to finish up the Prayer of Jabez series, which has been a four-part series, but I want to give you a sneak peek next week, two-year anniversary. God has done amazing things. I want to tell you some of the things God's done over this past year, what he's done since our launch. Also give you some vision for tomorrow. But we're going to be having some baptisms next week at both experiences. It's going to be first time. It's going to be in person, live during the experience. We normally didn't have room for that. But now it's going to be a cannonball tank where we could just jump off. I think that would be amazing, except for everyone who has to clean up afterwards. So we probably won't do that. But anyway, we're going to have baptisms. There will be a gift for everyone, including the people who are online. So you're going to want to make sure you join us live for that gift. And um, whether in person or online. And uh, also it will be small group Sunday. I hope you will find a small group to sign up with. Because small groups are the muscle of discipleship in our church. And your walk was not made to be stagnant, okay? So join a small group. There's going to be great uh, small groups. Uh, marriages. I've heard prayer. I've heard Bible study ones. Women getting together with women. Men getting together for breakfast. There's all times of days. There's virtual. There's online. There's in person. There's hybrid where it's both. There is something that you can find. Join a small group and grow together. If you don't know which one to join, uh, we love our freedom group. I think every single, we have a few freedom groups. I think every single person in the church should should walk through freedom at some point. And if this is your semester, that is uh, awesome where you can just, um, uh, it's one thing to get out of Egypt, to get the Israelite out of Egypt. It's another thing to get the Egypt out of the Israelite. Okay, and so when you give your life to the Lord, God wants to bring deliverance in your life too. Amen? So that's, a, that's enough for uh, uh, um, a little housekeeping and what's coming up because we are excited. I want to finish this series on the prayer of Jabez. First Chronicles uh, uh, chapter 4, if you read up into that point, it's really a snooze fest of scripture I've been setting up for you. It's a lot of genealogies. It's a lot of here's the men who are a part of this tribe. Here's the men who are part of this tribe. And, and you're just like, oh, my goodness. But in the middle of it, God drops verse uh, 9 and 10 out of chapter 4. He says that um, uh, Jabez was more honorable than any of his brothers. And he was birthed out of pain. Jabez was not a significant man. Yet we believe that this prayer might have been the very fruits of why he became a significant man. I dropped little hints about his life throughout this series that more than likely the city of Jabez was named after this man, yet he was born as his mother calling him a pain in the butt. His name literally means he caused me pain at birth, right? Like she called him suffering. When his bros said hello to him, they were like, what's up, pain? What's up, suffering? You, you know, and yet this simple prayer, easy enough for any one of us to pray, must have had such a profound impact that God said he was more honorable than any of his brothers. Why? Not because his mama gave him a distinguished name. Not because a mama thought super high things about him. Probably because 
He just prayed a simple prayer. He prayed, oh God, would you bless me? And we talked in week one about blessing, praying the prayer of blessing. God, would you pour out on me what only you can pour out on me? Not the man-made blessings that I could go get on my own efforts. I want the God-given ones, the stuff that you birthed me for. I want my destiny. I want to step into it. No, uh, would you, oh, would you bless me? Would you enlarge my territory? In other words, would you give me more influence? And he prayed the prayer of influence, which was week two. He prayed, God, let your hand be with me. I talked about that last week, about the presence prayer. God, that I would feel your presence everywhere I go, that I would know that your hand and my hand are together. We're not divided. We're not separated. And finally, and would you protect me? And this morning, I want to uh, teach and preach from the message, the prayer of protection. We need the prayer of protection in our lives. Would you join me in prayer? God, I'm asking, God, that you would use my limited language, use my limited understanding to communicate your eternal truth, your principle that stands throughout all time. It's applicable to every single soul that is listening right now. doesn't matter what their lot in life is, Father. I thank you, God that you can transform our lives as we put less stock in ourselves and more in you. Let the prayer of John be true of us, more of you and less of me. Father, we ask for that in 2021. We ask that in our lives, in our families, in our workplaces, in our ball fields, in our schools, in Jesus' name. Wherever you show up, it's a good thing, and we love that. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that, you can say amen and amen. If you got your Bible, I want you to go with me to Daniel chapter 6. Um, I encourage you to bring your Bible. I think that's amazing uh, to, to bring your Bible. I do know that in person we have lower lighting in a theater. So use your, use your smart device for the smartest thing you could do, and that's opening the Word of God. And uh, open up your Bible to Daniel chapter 6. Um, I'm going to be in the New Living Translation if you're able to uh, change translation so you can follow along. I really encourage you, be someone who highlights, underlines, mark up your Bible. It, it, it doesn't need to be so sacred that you don't touch it. Um, if, if you like something like that, then get a second Bible. Go to Walmart. You can buy a Bible for eight bucks at Walmart, right? And get one that you're like, well, I'll highlight and underline this one and keep this other one special and on the shelves. But I actually, uh, I have a hope that I, I read through Bibles and every, once, every, about every two years, I'll change translations just to keep things fresh. But by that time, I've walked through that Bible two times um, because I walk through the Bible uh, uh, once a year. That, that, that's what I tried to do is stay on pace for once a year. And I love highlighting it, underlining it, maybe even drawing in it um, because I think it's special. And I, I look forward to passing that on to my kids or grandkids one day that I'll have a Bible that has been uh, written on. So do that, or if you're on your smart device, screenshot things, hit edit, mark up, circle things, highlight things, underline things, doodle on things, and keep them in your photos. Maybe you need to even share it on social media. So if you're at Daniel 6, say, I'm there. All right, Daniel chapter 6 says this. Darius the Mede, which Darius is the king, okay, so King Darius decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province, almost like we got 50 states, we need 50 governors who can handle that, right? Then the king also chose Daniel and two other administrators 
to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Someone say blessing. Come on. It was clear that on Daniel's life, he had blessing on his life. He was elevated to rare air, right? He, he is walking in an elevated position, and it's because of not how smart he is or how wise he is or how responsible he is, but you'll see it's because of how connected he is to his God who he gives all the glory to. So he is, number one, blessed. And it says, because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Someone say influence. He is, is shown he's got expanding influence. His territory is growing. And once again, his king or the world might see it as, man, you're one great man. You're one great woman. But he knows it's because of my great God that I'm connected to. And then it says this, verse 4, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they could not find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Someone say presence. In other words, the only way we can trip Daniel up is if we can stop him from meeting with God. If we can look at his relationship with God and, and throw some stumbling blocks or rules and regulations to break them two up, I'm sick and tired of his hand-holding with God because it's his hand-holding with God that's the secret sauce to why he keeps getting promoted and we keep falling behind in the dust. Do you see how Daniel was blessed? He had influence. He had presence with God. And don't you know that if you have those three things, you better start learning how to pray a prayer of protection. Haters are going to hate, hate, hate. And so you are going to have to learn to shake, 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 shake it off in prayer. In prayer. You see what I did? I, I, I did something with that. <laughs> Listen, you, you got <laughs> did I do better, Daniel? He clowned me in the first experience. Listen, you, you better. If, if you're growing in blessing, influence, and in, in, in presence, then you better start learning to pray a prayer of protection because you are going to need it. So it says that Daniel continued his custom of, of praying three times a day, even though these guys got the king to, to, put, to implement the most ridiculous law I've ever heard, tell people that when they pray, they can no longer pray to God, but only pray to you, King Darius. I think that is the most arrogant and prideful thing that you could ever want is when you start playing God, do you want to answer people's prayers when they start asking you for healing of cancer? Do you want to start answering people's prayer when they start asking you to bring uh, the, the man of their dreams, right? Listen, I, I'm glad God's God and I'm not, right? <laughs> God is good at it. And King Darius says, only if you pray to me. And so Daniel gets down on his knees and prays three times a day. It must have been fairly public because people could see through the window he's still praying to God. And so um, I wonder if he was praying for protection. 
what, what ridiculous rules, what ridiculous oversight, what ridiculous leadership, yet God, I trust you. You got to remember, he was exiled from his people and his land. And we can oftentimes think, man, I've got it so bad, yet Daniel was one who kept it together because he was hand-holding with God. He had some presence going on. And so the officials called for his arrest, and it says in verse 14, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. Somebody needs to underline or circle, he tried to. It says that the king tried to save Daniel. And we've got to understand this, that the king tried to save him when only the king could save him. No, I didn't misspeak. I just need you to get this. The king tried to save him when only the king, capital K king, is the only one who had the power to save him. I find many people go running to people in power looking for deliverance. We run to lawyers when we're in a judicial jam. We run to doctors when we're, we're in a medicinal jam. We run to counselors when we're in a marriage jam. And we, we run to no, parents and we run to leaders and we run to government officials when, when we feel the injustice is gone. And I am not discrediting any of them, but I need you to understand as great as they have worked towards their craft, they are really great at one thing. Why not talk to the king of all things, right? The king of all kings, the ones who's mastered all of them and not just that one thing. Hear me straight. I'm not saying, I'm not discrediting counselors. I use counselors. I'm not discrediting lawyers and I'm not discrediting doctors. We use those things, but we can't go running to the king, lowercase k, to save us if we have not run to the capital K king in the process first. Amen? You, I love that King Darius thought he could save him. But he even, ruled, he even realized, I'm bound by my own words. I'm jammed up. I'm limited. There's only so much I can do. But the king of kings is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. There are no boundaries. He's not bound by time, and he is not bound by space. And so uh, um, we got to turn to the king of all kings to do what only he can do. Speaking of looking to leaders and um, kings in certain fields and, and doctors, I, I, I ran across this joke that I've always thought is funny, so I'm going to share it. Um, in South Louisiana, we have these Boudreaux and Thibodeau jokes. And um, Boudreaux, uh, let's just say he doesn't have the greatest of wits, um, but he's, he's a good old Cajun. And um, he, he was hurting. He's, he, he showed up to his doctor one day and he said, uh, Doctor, I'm hurting all over my body. Um, everywhere I put, uh, everywhere I touch, it's hurting. Uh, I, I, I have pain here. I have pain here. I have pain here. Everything hurts. And the, and the doctor said, well, I think I know what's wrong with you, Boudreaux. And he said, your finger is broken. <laughs> Come on, that's pretty good. Some of you need to tell your neighbor, <laughs> help them understand how that joke goes. That <laughs> Listen, the doctor of all doctors, the king of all kings is God on high. And we can't just run to a King Darius, right? And so the king reluctantly throws Daniel into the lion's den. It actually says he goes and he fasts. This is 
a non-believer fasting and doing something that he doesn't know anything about. In fact, many of y'all know that Daniel's going to survive this lion's den. I started to wonder, did he survive the lion's den because of Daniel's faith? Or did he survive the lion's den because of a new believer exercising baby faith? Come on, could it not be that King Darius's fast was his deliverance? Because we saw in Stephen's life in Acts 5 and 6 that he believed in God. He still was a martyr for Jesus, yet this guy's delivered, and I wonder why. It was probably a combination of the two, but I think that's an interesting exercise to think about. Was it a baby's faith? God always is moved by a believer trusting in him. And so Darius fasts, and it says in verse 19, very early the next morning, the king got up, and he hurried out to the lion's den, and when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, long live the king, my God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouth. I need to stop and point something out. That word angel is singular. On hell. Tell your neighbor right now. Look to your neighbor and say, Uno. There was one of them angels. The Bible says there were multiple lions. I, how strong are angels that one could boss up in that den and just go, ah, ah no, no, ah, ah, no, don't move any further. Hush up. Keep your mouth shut, right? Like, oh, we, we need to realize that if God's angels can shut up the mouths of multiple hungry lions, what can multiple angels do? And more importantly, what can Jesus, the commander of the angels' armies, do when we put our trust in him? Come on, I need you to get that revelation that the Bible says that if you are a believer of God, angels are servants of the believers of God. God will send angels to serve your account just like he sent me. And so the question becomes, if God can do it for Daniel, is that just a great children's story, biblical account, or does this apply to me today? Well, let me fast forward in time from this account into our nation's history, right? We're all familiar with George Washington, and we just came out of a time of prayer. So I thought this picture right here, if you put that up, many of us are familiar with George Washington praying at the Battle of Valley Forge. And, and, and so if you've seen this picture, let me just see your hand. Raise your hand if you've seen this before, right? It, 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 his troops caught him in private praying, and later, as they told the story, an artist was moved to, to uh, uh, draw or paint up that portrait that many of us have seen. We know from documentation George Washington was a man of prayer. But did you not, uh, many of us don't know, 24 years earlier, in a battle against Indians, um, George Washington was merely a lower-ranking captain. He was on horseback, and he was uh, um, commanding along with 1,300 troops, 30 horseback men, and they came across an Indian tribe led by the chief Red Hawk. Now, Red Hawk would later document this, that the Indians really did a number on the American troops. In fact, George Washington was the only horseback rider out of 30 
who survived that war. He had two horses shot out from underneath him, multiple bullet holes in his clothing around his body after the war. And uh, of the 1,300 troops that the Americans fought with, only 30 survived. Uh, wait, I didn't get that right. Uh, yeah, only, only 30 survived. So he was the only horseback rider to survive, and he was only one of 30 of 1,300 that survived. He would later tell his brother in a letter that it was God's hand of protection, his providence, that was the only reason he was still alive. Fifteen years later, George Washington goes back to war with uh, another Indian tribe led again by Red Hawk. Now, Red Hawk immediately identified George Washington because the average man on the troops was about five foot six at that time, and George Washington has been documented as six foot, six foot one. So Red Hawk said through a, a, a translation, he talked to an interpreter, and he said, we knew who George Washington was. I told all of our guns to point at that man. And this is what he told the translator, Red Hawk, and it was documented, and it says this, "'Twas all in vain. A power mightier far than we shielded him from harm. He cannot die in battle. The great spirit protects that man. Something bids me speak in a voice of prophecy. This is before the nation's really been founded, before we know what it would become today. He says this in prophecy, He will become the chief of nations, and a people yet unborn will hail him as the founder of of a mighty empire. Whoa! 2,000 years, and we get to look from the lens of 2021 and now see as, as the strongest empire what Red Hawk said in prophecy about this man because he said he cannot die in battle. Some great spirit protects this man no matter how many guns my troops point at him. So if God can do it for Daniel, and if he could do it for George Washington, the question becomes, can he do it for you and I? Or are they some sort of special hybrid, special elite uh, person that God protects? I don't think that's true. I think it's true for you and I. I think it's true for Jabez. I think it's true for Nehemiah. And I think it's true for you and I when we start to trust and believe. If God can do it for them, he can do it all again. He can do it for me. I'm not putting my stock in armies. I'm not putting my stock in my horseback riding. I'm not putting my stock in my government. I'm not putting my stock in my degrees. I'm not putting my stock in my titles or my lot in life. I put my stock in praying to God for protection sure many of us know and quote isaiah 54 17 no weapon formed against you will prosper but was that like for special people let me answer that question it goes on to say this in verse 17 it says these benefits are enjoyed by who come on put that scripture up there uh isaiah uh 54 17 it says no weapon formed against you shall prosper these benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. That means you and I. If you serve God, now serving means surrender. That doesn't mean you go do your own thing six days a week and then expect God to bail you out. He said, those who serve me, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. You can trust it. You can hang your hat 
on it. How do I know that? Isaiah 59 also says this. Uh, 1 and 2 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities, your sins, have separated from you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. This scripture tells me two things. God is able to protect you, and you've got to do your part. You've got to put your trust in him. You've got to pray and ask him. Now listen, if you pray the prayer of Jabez, and I've been moved by so many of your testimonies. Thank you for sharing what God's doing. I had uh, one lady tell me in the hallway that I want to put those four points um, on, on a keychain so that I just, it has moved me this four weeks and I just want to read it off and continue to pray it daily. I encourage you, write it down on a sticky note, put it right next to your uh, speedometer so that every single time you get in your car, you begin to ask God for blessing, influence, uh, presence and protection as you go about on your day. Put it on your mirror, do, do something, let it continue on. Um, but let me tell you something. If you ask God for blessing, Satan's not going to join the crowd going, oh, how awesome. I'm so glad you're blessed. If God answers the question, uh, the, the, the prayer of influence, and you get expanding influence, he's not going to show up at your graduation and go, that's lovely. I'm so excited for you. This is amazing. Because if you're taking ground, you're taking his ground. You've got to understand that he's not going to applaud you. He's going to begin to be ticked off by you. He's going to begin seething at you. That's why when Nehemiah starts building a wall, Sanballat and Tobiah show up. That's when Daniel starts getting elevated, administrators and haters start showing up. When you get blessed, when you expand in your influence, when you're walking in greater presence with God... Satan's not going to love that you're holding hands with the one who kicked him out of heaven in the first place. He's not going to be excited. He's going to be livid. And so you and I better not be so unwise to believe I can protect my own house. Instead, Jabez was wise enough to go, if you're going to bless me, if you're going to expand my territory, if you're going to walk with me, you better protect me too. Because I need your protection from on high, not mine. You got to tell somebody, come on right now, tell somebody, you best get your prayer protection on. You best get your prayer protection on. In fact, uh, we're going to help some marriages get their prayer protection on next month. I really want you all to sign up for the uh, marriage conference. I'm excited to watch everybody signing up. We have secured this regal so that we'll be in this room. There will be plenty of space to social distance. There are no virtual or digital options because I do think you need to invest in your marriage by coming in person with no distractions of what kids are doing or what else you could be doing or, or getting on a device or anything like that. Um, based on our last year's attendance, this room will have plenty of room for you to get comfortable social distancing and making sure that we will follow all guides, but I want you to invest in that as well. So how do we get our prayer our protection prayer on well it's very simple you got to do three things to get your prayer uh, your protection prayer on you got to pray it you got to trust it you got to believe it you got to pray it you got to trust it 
you got to believe it. Say that with me. You got to pray it. You got to trust it. You got to believe me. You got to believe it. Come on, say it with me. You got to pray it. You got to trust it. You got to believe it. Come on, say it. You got to pray it. You got to trust it. You got to believe it. You got to pray it. You got to trust it. You got to believe it. You got to pray it. You got to trust it. You got to believe it. I hope you go home saying that. Why? Because you're going to get your protection prayer on. And I know that God on high, the, the commander of the angels' armies, will be with you. You've got to pray it like Jabez. You've got to ask for it. Ask for the hand of protection on your life. Lord, keep me from harm. You've got to trust it. Do you trust God will come through? Or do you feel like you've got to hedge your bets just in case God doesn't come through? That the same God who says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, maybe he got tired. No, 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 no. That's what the false gods did. That's what, that, that's why Elijah would, could show up at a, a bonfire and say, hey, where's Baal at? Has he gotten tired? Is he slumbering? Because my God doesn't tire. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't fall asleep. My God's on throne. He's on high. And he can protect me at all times. Even though he was surrounded by haters. I love how Jesus, some pictures in the Bible, I just, I, I have my own picture of them, and I cannot wait to see them uh, in heaven one day. But Jesus, two times, was surrounded by riots where they were ready to kill him. And Jesus was protected from on high. He just kind of said, I'm ready to go home now. <laughs> and so, he, look, John, John says this in John chapter 10. They recorded that the Jews picked up stones to stone him. And then they were seeking to arrest him. Whether we can stone him or arrest him, they were saying, this Jesus, this brother's going down, right? And Jesus eluded their grasp. <laughs> the way I picture it, he looked at, uh, he, 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 he looked at the crowd. He was like, wow, they're angry. Uh, um, Peter, you got the room key. I think I'm going to go take a nap now. And he just kind of eluded them. What does eluding mean? I don't know if it was a bunch of them trying to grab him and they were just invisibly held back or if he, he matrixed them, you know. <laughs> Come on. He just eluded right through them. But do you know when you pray the prayer of protection, I believe God can make you elusive too. When, when the haters are coming after your job, when the haters are coming after your marriage, Come on, something trying to break up your marriage, you can become elusive too. I, I dodged that one. I missed that one. I saw what that one was up to. I believe that God can do the protecting better than I can do the protecting. I got to pray it, but I also got to trust it. Do you trust God's got you? If he can make Jesus elusive, because it wasn't his time, he can make you elusive too. You got to pray it. You got to trust it. You got to believe it. What would you be like? Come on and join me up here, band. Um, what would, how would you feel if you were Moses? You just delivered God's people out of slavery, away from the most powerful army that we knew at that time to exist. You end up cornered by the waters, and you now hear them yelling, Pharaoh's coming back with his army. If you're Moses... It's one thing to pray it. It's another thing to trust it. It's a whole other thing to believe it. Where you say, stand still and watch God move. He said this, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm and carry on. 
the British jacked that from, G, uh, from Moses. He said, just stay calm and carry on. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know how his protection is going to come, but he will protect us. I, I, I got this staff, and I know how to turn it into a snake. I'm not even going to bother trying to turn it into a snake because your protection is not going to come from me. Your protection is going to come from him. I have prayed it. I trust it. I believe it. And so he raises the staff. That is a true gut check right there. Can you imagine being the leader of millions and you're like, watch this. And nothing happened. You kind of go, oh, crap. <laughs> Don't I look like an idiot? I feel like God's saying this. Some of you need to get to the grit point, the faith point, where you, you're kind of going, watch this. God can do it. He is able. I feel like God's saying it's time to extend your arms and go, watch this. I don't know how it's going to come. I told you a testimony last week of a lady who was losing her job. And for nine months, we stood still and just said, watch this. And there was a moment where like a month passes by and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> but I trust it. And I believe it that God will not let his people fail if you'll put your trust in him and surrender to him. Moses saw a miracle as the waters passed. God protected his people. They walked on dry land, and as the enemy came to take them out, God wiped out every enemy that came against them. No weapon formed against you will prosper. This promise is true for every servant of God Most High. God, I repent of the times that I have put more stock in my own wit, my own strength, my own understanding, and God, we ask, God, that as we surrender that and we put all of our faith in you, God, we, we sell the farm trusting in you for protection. We stand like Elijah and say, look up at angels' armies that there are more with us than against us. Father, open up our eyes to trust you for protection, to quit looking to ourselves or to quit looking to a lowercase king, but to trust the king of kings. Father, we put our faith in you. We restore you to the throne. You are number one in every situation. In Jesus' name I pray. We've ended every single sermon, this, uh, 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 sermon series praying a prayer together. Would you uh, bow your head? And pray this prayer. Repeat after me a prayer of protection that you could pray this week or anything like it throughout the week. Just say, repeat, God, as I walk out the promise you have for my life, I pray that you will stop any and every attack of the enemy against me. Please protect my body. Please protect my mind. And please protect my emotions. Don't let the enemy get a foothold in my life. I pray that you will protect my family and community from harm. I know the one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. So I have nothing to fear. 
thank you for watching over me. I love you and I trust you. In Jesus' name. God, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. We trust you. We, we restore our trust to you. Before we dismiss, I want to tell you one more story of protection. I think it's the best story of protection. I was reminded um, in, in March of 2016, I saw a sports article, and it showed this picture with the headline that said this, man's quick thinking saves little boy's face at baseball game. Now, some of you are looking at this photo as they leave it up there and thinking, boy, doesn't that define the younger generation right there? He's got his device out instead of looking, watching the baseball game. But this was his dad, and his dad told reporters later that he was trying to text his mom something. And the batter in the box had swung and lost control of the bat, and it went flying into the stands right in the direction of this little boy. The batter, whose name is Ortiz, saw the picture later on, could not believe how close it was to hitting him, was remorseful, and he, quote, said this, I saw the picture, it was crazy. That guy took a blow for the kid. The father or whoever he was, he protected that kid. Do you know that this picture is the picture of your eternal state? Our Father extended Himself by sending Himself, sending Jesus Christ, His Son, to cover our faces, to, to protect us from every attack of the enemy that has been thrown against us. He has extended Himself to protect you. The good news is this. If you walk in step with Jesus and stay behind Him, He protects you. And you can know that you are got a destiny to look forward to in heaven. But if you choose to go your own way, I'm not sitting by you, Daddy, as that picture shows. I'm not sitting by you. I'm sitting in a few seats, a few seats down. Then you are unprotected by the Father. You fare the weapons and the attacks on your own. Now, we have got to see that the Father did not just extend himself by sending the Son. But the son extended not just one arm, but two arms to save you from your sins. He died on the cross to forgive you and pay the penalty of every sin and wrongdoing you've done. The good news is, if you put your trust in him, he'll protect you too. From every attack of hell, from any assignment to go there. Your destiny's not in hell. It wasn't created for you. But you have to walk behind the protection of Jesus Christ.